Hey guys, this is David. The team and I are off working on some exciting new content and some sweet new knives and gear that I'll let you in on soon. So today, I'd like to share with you one of my favorite top 10 most listened to survival show podcasts from the past four years that I think you're going to find helpful and enlightening. Let me know what you think. Hey everybody, welcome to the Survival Show podcast where it's our job to take you step-by-step through the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear you need to survive almost anything 2020 can throw at you. And it's our mission to increase your survival IQ so you're better prepared at the end of the show than you are right now at the beginning. Mr. Craig and Mr. Gabe, thanks for joining me today. I'm here with Gabe in the studio and Craig is where? Winchester, Kentucky, heart of all things good. So we need to take responsibility for our own safety and survival. And to do that, we need to do two things to be safer in these uncertain times. One is to reduce our vulnerability to crime and harm. And two is to increase our ability to avoid and repel harm. Here's what we need to do. We need to understand, and this is the core of what we're going to discuss today, is we need to understand the criminal mindset. Then we need to develop and nurture a self-defense mindset. We'll find out what those are. And then we need to master the critical skills of situational awareness and threat assessment. So Craig, you want to maybe get us started into the criminal mindset? Yeah. I mean, it's the thing that we need to cover is if we can understand our enemy, then we can better understand how we are to prepare for our enemy. So for those people that are out there that want to be aggressors to us, and I like to, when I teach self-defense, I like to divide our aggressors into two or three different categories. That's predator-based mindset, which is somebody that knows you, somebody that is seeking you out, somebody wants to destroy you because they they find, you know, for females, find them attractive, or they're upset because you took their job, or they see that you have some sort of resources that they want, like a cell phone or a firearm or something. You have the opportunistic people that are just looking for resources, not necessarily predator. They don't know you. They are strangers to you, but they're looking for resources. And then the third that I sometimes talk about is assassination. If somebody has it out for you to assassinate you, then there's really not much you can do about that type of aggressor. There's just nothing you can do. If they're going to, if they've determined they want to kill you and you don't know them, then they're probably going to at least get really close to doing that. So the first two, one of the big things that we can do to overcome it is again, understanding these criminals and how they're going to approach us. But the big thing is avoidance and awareness. And so awareness includes understanding the criminals are again, opportunistic. They're very selfish. They want what you have. Most criminals we don't know a whole lot about because they're really good at what they do. We hear about the ones that are not so smart. Those are the ones that get caught and go to jail more often than not. There's a lot of criminals that don't because they are good at what it is that they do again. So oftentimes really well accomplished and I use that term, I don't know, I don't even know if I like using that term, well-accomplished criminals, people that are good at crime, I'll put it that way, are typically very organized. They plan what they're going to do. They take the necessary contingencies so that they don't get caught and do everything they can to not allow themselves to be put into jail. It was really interesting. And this I hate taking it off the rails already real quick, but it was worthwhile recently. I did a course for some inner city youth that came out of Delaware. I don't think I've told you about this, David, but the Green Beret Foundation 
contacted me and they wanted me to lead a program for these inner city young men out of Wilmington, Delaware. Highest rate of physical assault or murder or something. I came in the statistics were mind-numbingly just tragic. And these young men were men that the Green Beret Foundation, if you don't know what the Green Beret Foundation is, you need to look them up. It's one of the, it's not one of, it is the best nonprofit that I've ever worked with in my life. They are really good at what they do outside of some of the faith-based nonprofits. But one of the instructors was a lifelong criminal and had been. I mean, he had gone to prison and he had spent like 13 years in federal prison for some things that are not important right now. But the reason they hired him to work with these young men is because he knew how criminals work. He knew how criminals got started. And I mean, he was really good. This is a guy that was making at one point in time about $3 million a year doing a criminal enterprise. So he knows how to look at young men that are getting ready to start on the road of criminal activity and then jerk them off the road, (laughs) if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the more that we can get into understanding these opportunistic feeders off of crime or, you know, selfish people and, and they're organized, they don't look like the people that we often see on TV that make really stupid mistakes. That's something to be aware of as far as criminal mindset, if that makes sense. Does that make sense what I'm saying, guys? It does make sense. Yep. And another thing, in most cases, criminals won't hesitate to use violence against you or your family to accomplish their goal. Would you agree with that? No. Uh, I would disagree with that, and that's why I didn't bring that one up. Okay. Uh, here, here's why. And your guy that's not really good at what he's doing will do that. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of those people out there. But the guys that are really good criminals know that injuring or killing someone brings attention to whatever it is that they're doing. And so, you know, that's why in a gang, if you've got a leader of a gang and they're moving 14 15, 16 million dollars of cocaine every year or something of that nature, you know, they, they get the new guys to go out there and do their killing if that needs to be done or, or that sort of thing. The guys that are way up the chain, they don't do that sort of stuff. They're well-organized. They have minions in their army, if you will, to do that sort of task. So yes, be aware of those guys. Those are the ones that are not necessarily well-organized. They've just been given a task and told to go do it. But with that said, as I mentioned earlier, avoidance and awareness are the keys. We'll get into these, I'm sure, but there's any number of different ways that we need to be cognizant, aware of what's going on around us at all times so that we can be situational aware and what I like to refer to as left of bang. We want to be left of the event and recognize that it's getting ready to happen so that we can address it before it actually becomes the middle of the event. That's good, Craig. I think we can get into self-defense mindset and kind of contrast that. Let me ask you this question. In these troubling times with where we're talking about defunding the police or diverting. Let let me jump in there real quick. We we covered (laughs) defunding the police in the last podcast. If you're catching this one and you didn't listen to the first one, go listen to that. Because we, I think we discuss some really good points about defunding the police, which is just stupid. So continue on. It's just stupid. So in these times, what do you think our biggest threat is with regards to criminals? I guess that's it. If, as far as our personal safety and security, if the last point here where criminals won't hesitate to use violence against you or your family is not the case. Do we really need to fear criminals? There you go. Did I tweak you? Yeah. I mean, there's several different questions there, I think, that you just asked. But let me address, I think, what is your main point, which is what should we be mostly concerned about right now? Here's what I think we should be mostly concerned about. There's a large segment of our population that have been told that it is okay to be unlawful. And so whether that's rioting and destroying businesses or stealing whatever they might steal, and it it has nothing to do with any particular race. It's all sorts of races, all sorts of political affiliations. It's any number of different people that are doing these things. They are not being 
arrested and seized. They're allowed to be able to do these things. And so let's take, for example, what's happened in Seattle and Portland. And because of the media, again, we discussed the media in the last podcast, have just run rampant with just showing these things that these people are doing, then the other members of our society that are disenfranchised with what's going on in their life, whether they're mad at their parents, they're mad at the man, they're they're mad at the system, they're mad at school or whoever, then it gives them the pat on the back or the encouragement to go, you know, if those people over there can go over there and just destroy a building and take what they want, I can too. And so right now, I think it's that is who we need to be concerned about, is that your average ordinary person is all around us, and that person is dangerous right now. And we need to be aware. You know, uh, I mentioned earlier in the first podcast, 525 rule, you know, people getting inside my circle that are close within arms reach of me, that's a problem with me right now. I've never let people inside my circle like that on purpose unless I knew what they were there for, and even more so now. Because people are just running, people that would not normally be of a criminal mindset are criminals now and just stealing and robbing and stuff of that nature. And so I think it's worth our while to be cognizant of what's going on around us. In case people missed it, can you just give a little bit more detail on the 525 principle? It's a principle that's used a lot on a battlefield. It's a principle I teach in self-defense. Think about it as five yards and 25 yards or five meters and 25 meters. It doesn't matter, five feet and 25 feet. You just think about your circle and what is around you your immediate threats are always the threats that are closest to you. The things, the people, the things that are within that five feet from you are the most dangerous because they're close and it's hard for you to react quickly enough to any particular threat that might come after you. The ones that are out there at 25 are not as big a threat, but they're still a threat. So no matter where you are, you should always, always be aware of what's within five feet of you. Always, constantly. So if you're going to walk around the corner of a building in the mall, you don't walk within five feet because when you turn the corner, there could be somebody that is right on top of you and there's nothing you can do about it. You want to do it just to be a good citizen. You don't want to bump into people. So you walk around the corner so that you've got plenty of space to see what's going on around it. That's just a simple analogy of what I wanted to try to get across this mindset of five feet around you is uh, very, very important. And then for those that are tactically mindful, I would say that although there's an assessment being made all the time at five feet, there's also an assessment that's being made at 25 feet real quickly thereafter. And so 25 feet is is still a very close distance for somebody to physically assault you, bring a firearm to bear on you. And if you don't do what you're supposed to be doing, then it's easy for them to, pun intended, get the draw on you. <laughs> And I just want to mention that Gabe is exactly six feet from me, and I can see him out of the corner of my eye, so I feel relatively safe at this particular moment. <laughs> Let me point this out, too. I mean, if you are a person that has a child or you have a spouse and that person is with you and they are not the type of person that has that sort of awareness, then you have to have that awareness as well. You can't have that kid that's running out in front of you 10 feet because you're you're five feet in front of them. They're 15 feet away from any threat that might be able to happen. And so it's something that with spouses or girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever you might have, or family members that you care about, you've got to be aware of their particular surroundings as well um, because that's a threat for somebody that you care about. Speaking of kids, I feel like that's kind of, I don't know, the point of what you are getting at. On the last, the last thing you touched on that the most dangerous people are the common people who are being influenced by with the riots right now. It's like when kids hang out and one kid starts doing something bad, everyone else is like, oh, look, they just got away with it. And that seems to be what's happening right now. I think that's why the risk is so high 
you know, the riots are happening in different cities and people are seeing, oh, look, these guys are being made into heroes by the media and they're not being prosecuted. You know, what can I get away with? And so I think you've definitely nailed on a major threat there. So let's go ahead and start into self-defense mindset. The first thing I I think people need to do is they just need to determine to be a self-reliant person. And I think getting back to your point, Gabe, and, and your point, Craig, is that you are responsible for yourself, your loved ones, and your property. Last weekend, Gabe, for the first time, learned how to shoot a pistol, firearm. It was a really good training uh, that America's was son. put up. That's right. Welcome to America. <laughs> That's right. And I must say, Gabe went from, uh, I'm saying this nicely, and not everybody would understand this because of their generation, but he went from Barney Fife to Boss Man Gabe. He was nailing it, and I have, man, I have video and clips of the transformation of him on the range with some good instruction. It was fantastic, but we learned a lot about, and I think we'll talk about in a future podcast, just our rights and responsibilities with regards to things like firearms and the responsibility that you have for yourself, your loved ones. And I don't know if it's like this in the state of Kentucky, Craig, but we have certain very specific rights in in the law code with regards to our property, which actually some of them were quite interesting. Like if somebody actually takes your property, you have the right to take it back by any means possible, which was very interesting. So anything else on determining to be a self-reliant person? Now, before we get into the rest of this podcast, I want to invite you to go check out the mothership for this podcast, ultimatesurvivaltips.com. While you're there, join our weekly survival emag for survival and preparedness tips, news, exclusive behind-the-scenes updates, subscriber-only discounts, and chances to win gear like the survival knife that blew up Kickstarter. Our very own MSK-1 multi-scenario knife, which is now available in four models to fit any budget. So here's the deal. When you engage with us over at ultimatesurvivaltips.com, share this podcast, or buy any of our product innovations, you're partnering with us to accomplish our mission to help everyone everywhere gain the mindset, skills, tactics, and gear knowledge they need to survive any emergency, crisis, or disaster in a positive and productive way. Thank you all for your continued encouragement and support. Now let's get back into today's podcast. Uh, I've written books <laughs> for years on this subject. So, and and you know, you're, you want to talk about David? <laughs> your company is named Nature Reliance. So, uh, you know, there's something about self reliance and nature reliance there. In all seriousness, it, I think it is, is important to parse this word reliance. So, yeah. Well, when I wrote my first book, Extreme One and the Survival, there's a chapter in there on self defense, and I go through some things on how people can utilize their own body for self defense. We talk about shooting pistols and rifles and any number of different weapons of opportunity as well. I kind of got hammered for it, you know, from a few people that like, why is this in a survival book? Well, everybody, welcome to my world now. Now you understand why survival involves self-defense. You know, we sit and watch these idiots bring harm and maim other humans on the streets in these riots. And now you know why I have a chapter on situational awareness in that book, why I have a chapter on mindset development, why I have a chapter on self-defense, because that is it. We're in the middle of it right now. And I can't think of a better way for you to be self-reliant than to take responsibility for your self-protection. And one of my cop friends told me a long time ago, and then I've heard it over and over and over and over since 
then is that when seconds matter, you know, the police are minutes away. And I don't know very many law enforcement officers, and I train law enforcement officers on local, state, and federal level on a regular basis. They all agree with this. They all agree that everybody should take their self-protection into their own hands. And that when that doesn't work out, and I'm not talking about vigilante justice. What I'm talking about is somebody's going to aggress you. You need to be prepared to take care of it. I watched a video last night of one of these riots where something was happened and one of the people that were part of the rioting group got injured and got knocked down and somebody was smacking them around a little bit and guess who they called for? Police. Somebody called the police. And I wanted to just go through the screen and just lecture this person so hard. You are the same people that are calling for defunding the police. And as soon as, you know, your crew is hurt, you want to call the police. It's just, it's insane. It's just insanity at its best. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But with that said, self-defense mindset is key. And one of the things that is that is important with self-defense. I'm this is I'm in my wheelhouse, David, so I'm going away from the notes. You go with it. Is what I refer to as surprise, speed, and violence of action. So if you're going to be in a situation where you need to defend yourself, then you need to surprise the person that's bringing aggression to you. You need to do it quickly, and you need to do it with a violence of action that surprises everybody that's around you. Meaning we see these things in the movies where Somebody gets hit in the face and they get knocked unconscious. Now, boom, somebody's down. It usually does not look that way at all. I mean, it does happen. Don't get me wrong. People get hit once in certain places and they get knocked out. But in most self-defense situations, it's a whole lot more uglier than that. And it's really ugly if people have self-defense tools or they're using aggression tools like hammers, knives, tools, sticks, guns, any of those things that they get thrown into a situation just make the need for surprise, speed, and balance of action that much more important. And part of that, as far as a self-defense mindset, is this. You don't walk around looking like what I refer to as a tactical Timmy. You don't walk around with your 5'11 britches on, and those are pants for you Canadians, Gabe. Um, you don't walk around. You we don't do walk around in your, <laughs> You don't walk around with five eleven pants on and five eleven shirt, open carrying a firearm and your tactical Timmy hat and stuff that says, you know, you know well, we'll just leave it up to that. And you, you, I'm you prepared like to take my gear. You can pry it from my cold dead hands, kind of thing. These are the kind of things that bring attention to you as someone who could have self defense skills, and that's problematic. You know, we've talked about self defense. I mean, uh, just a awareness and and being the gray man many times on this podcast. I was behind a minivan yesterday. One of the things we've talked about here is you if you have the little stickers of your family on your minivan, then it tells everybody who is in your family, right? There's a mom and a dad and there's three kids. The one that I saw yesterday, I just I almost got out of the car and just scraped it off the van while I was sitting in traffic because it had the two parents, it had the three kids, it had their names above their little figure and it had the name of the dog. It told everything you needed to do to still a kid and rape them. I mean, just it was just that situation where somebody could come into a stranger and say, these are the types of things that, uh, that they wanted to do, bring harm to somebody. They know everything they need to know. It's, it's just tragic. It's just absolutely tragic. Craig, a little side note. We've been hanging out and doing the podcast a while, and I've trained under you and with you and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm actually taking notes of what you're going to say just before you, you say it. So this is good stuff. Yep. It's good stuff. Covered gray man. That's really good. Learn how to defend yourself from threats. Practice every day 
kind of threw this word in here. I saw it in some books and some articles and things that I was researching for this podcast. Every day, all the time, situational awareness and threat assessment. And we're going to get to that in a little bit. Receive proper training. Stop. We got to stop right there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're not okay, even sitting. So. In the, we're not even sitting in the same room. And I could. I knew you were going to jump in there. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing on training, you all is in, and I think another point if I'm looking at your notes properly, is to honestly assess your personal self-defense skills, weaknesses, and fix them. When I took Master Naturalist certification last year, one of the things that just really stood out to me, for example, I had a, I would have a soils professor one week, I would have a water professor another week, and then the following week I might have forestry professor. And we might ask the forestry professor something about water, and they kind of knew about it, but they would say, you need to talk to this person over here. And it was really good to see people that had 20 years of experience and PhDs and topics going, you know, I don't know. Talk to this expert over here. And here's how I like to tell people this day, just to simplify it. Let's say you buy a a firearm. Let's say you buy a pistol for $500. It is my opinion. You need to spend $1,500 minimum learning how to train with that thing. Probably more. You need to spend three times the amount of money of the firearm getting good qualified training from someone that knows what they're doing. And that ain't Jim Bob down the street that pulls out the dirty, hairy revolver and says whatever dirty, hairy said. What was it? Dirty, hairy said. Make my day. Make my day. Was that it? I don't know. Whatever. (laughs) Went totally stupid all of a sudden. But anyway, that's not the guy. You need to vet and find. And if you have to travel, like I've traveled 10 hours to train with certain people because they're that good and bought a hotel room and paid $800 for a two-day class because I wanted to know how to take my sidearm and put it to work so that number one, I don't injure the people that I love and care for. And the people that are trying to injure the people I love and care for, I can uh, do what I need to do self-defense with surprise speed and balance of action. And so training, you've got to get the training. That doesn't mean that you can't train on your own, but it's more than just going to a static range and shooting at a target. You've got to move, you've got to shoot, you've got to shoot on the move, you got to shoot in awkward positions. You've got to shoot when your firearm malfunctions, know how to handle that firearm. You got to know how to, you know, if you're wearing a jacket, how to deploy that firearm if that's what you're utilizing. And all that other stuff too. I mean, you got to know how to use your arms, hands, elbows, knees, feet, head. These are the things that you carry with you all the time. And so get training with somebody that knows how to utilize those things to effectiveness to defend themselves as well. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. It's your wheelhouse, man. And that's why we have you. And I'm thankful for that. We'll talk about the five weapons you have on you at all times. We've discussed those before, but we'll do a podcast and maybe have you do some demo stuff too. I think we got and, a video on that on the website, uh, don't we, David? Yeah, you know, we it is. Actually, if people go over to the survivalshow.com in that area down below, you're going to find that and another video that we did a couple of years ago on that exact topic. And maybe uh, when we talk about that a little bit more in a, in a couple of podcasts, maybe we'll bring in and we'll pull that video in because that's really important so that people always know that they have some means of taking taking responsibility for their own self-defense on them at all times. But question for you, and I'm going to preface this with what happened around here. A friend of mine and I, for those of you that don't know, I do have a small range close by. So I shoot as much as I can and a good friend of mine comes over and we shoot. And we were just discussing one day that how many people, like almost everybody we know that especially who has responded or reacted to all the violence that's going on by buying a personal firearm, but have not been trained, how there's really nothing in our area. And so um, through some proactive means and some friends, this was the training that Gabe went to with me 
two weeks ago, which was fantastic. It was put on by a, a fella that was a, a career Pennsylvania State Trooper. He did 15 years of training the state police, and now he teaches at a local academy. And the folks over there were overjoyed to do it. It was a fantastic training for starting they're more than willing to do level two and a level three training. And it was largely attended by my friend and I and some people that are first responders this first time around. And now all of us are recommending that training. For those who maybe have some basic firearms training or don't and want to either go to the next level or at least uh, be responsible and get a basic firearms training, where would you recommend they look to find those sorts of things? Just in general. Okay. So here's how I can suggest there's a lot of good instructors out there. And Gabe brought this up during the last podcast. No matter what field it is, whether it's education or law enforcement or any number of fields, there's bad apples. I like to train with people who have experienced things that they teach about. So I like to go with, particularly for me, and this is not for everybody, I like to find a military instructor, somebody who has a military background, particularly somebody that has had been shot at on a regular basis and knows how to respond to that because I think particularly for those in self-defense, the big issue is when things go off and they start what we call right of bang, then we find ourselves being very reactionary. And what I would like to do is train with people who have been thrust into a position where they have to be reactionary under heaping amounts of life-threatening stress and learn how they handled it. Because, you know, they're typical person like me. I've never been in military law enforcement, so I don't have a lot of those experiences. And so I want to train with somebody that has, you know, not to be too cliche, but been there and done that and comes out the other side. And so that would be the first thing. If you find a training organization, then find out what their instructor's backgrounds are. Law enforcement would be my second choice only because of this is that law enforcement typically doesn't see as much serious threat as somebody in a battlefield scenario does. That doesn't detract. That's not a criticism at all. I'm a huge fan of law enforcement. The thing that they can bring to the table that a law enforcement trainer that is now teaching civilians can bring from my perspective is that they have to work inside the law in a way that a military combatant does not have to. And so they're really good at being able to handle yourself from a self-defense perspective and also considering the law, which quite frankly is very, very important in our country. So I think anytime you can get with a military or law enforcement person, then it's incredibly invaluable to pick their brain and find out how they do things. So interestingly, Gabe, in the training that we did, surprised me. It actually surprised me, Craig. We spent the first half of the day in the classroom. What was the first thing that we covered? Well, it was four hours in the classroom and only three hours on the range. And it was a really good balance, at least from my perspective. Yeah. Well, do you remember what the first thing we covered was? Oh, we went through all the laws. Yeah. We discussed Pennsylvania law, the consistencies, the inconsistencies, the considerations, rights and responsibilities. And that's where we started. That's good. That's real good. Yeah, it's real good. It's real good. So Craig, we kind of went over this. Honestly, you had mentioned this a little bit earlier. Honestly, assess your personal self-defense weaknesses and begin to fix them. I'm sure you have a little bit more on that. Yeah, ego plays a huge role in, in most everything that we do. All humans have it to a degree. And we've got to learn how to control our ego instead of our ego controlling us. You know, a perfect example, just the simplest example is road rage. That's where your ego starts to control you and you do things that you just you know, most of us don't normally drive right up on somebody or flip somebody off or something of that nature. But you see people doing this in traffic and that's somebody that's allowing ego to 
guide them and direct them rather than them staying in control of their ego. So that would be important to understand that we all have ego and we want to control it so that we don't get caught up in situations that we're not supposed to or we shouldn't be. Right now, you know, just my observation is that people are stressed right now due to COVID, loss of job. They're scared of COVID. They're not scared of COVID. They hate the politics, whatever. People are just stressed out in general in everyday society. And I think there are things that you could do today that might upset and set somebody off to bring physical violence against you that would not have even six months ago, for that matter, a year ago, for sure. Somebody close to me got vocal with somebody that was smoking and blowing smoke on them at somewhere recently. And, you know, it might be, you know, that's rude and it, you might say something. But in today's world, I just don't think that that's wise because something as simple as that could be the thing that just triggers somebody. And so it would be my opinion that even simple situations like that, you just back away, go somewhere else, do, you know, just you've got to remove yourself from it and avoid the fight. That's why I say avoidance and awareness. So we're going to talk about that a lot more in situational awareness. And I think regardless of our level, here's what I found, Craig. And it was really interesting because my friend who helped to set up this basic firearms training, we looked at each other during this training and I said to him, brother, look around, who's here? And he looked around and he was like, pretty much everybody who could get by without this training. And isn't that the way it is? It's kind of like that, like you run a marriage training, who shows up? Maybe every once in a while you get somebody whose marriage is on the rocks. A lot of times it's people that know that they want to have a better marriage, right? Uh, Same thing with training. Ego can get in the way and we can be very much delusional and think that because we've spent the last two or three years playing Call of Duty on our computers or our Xbox or whatever, whatever it is, that we know how to defend ourselves. And that is not the case. No. And, you know, I was actually pleasantly surprised. We had a recent training. It was a wilderness survival course. And we had three people in a class that had never spent a night outside. Really? Never in their That's lives. That's encouraging, dude. One young lady came, she flew in from New York City, and she's a big, you know, what most people like me from rural Kentucky thinks of a person that lives in New York City. She was it. She dressed like it. She talked like it. The things that she did for recreation, you know, that's, you know, she was typical New Yorker. And it was funny because she got up the first morning. She said, you know, I usually put on nature sounds to sleep in the city. And I heard all those sounds last night (laughs) here. I mean, one of the things that I do for people like that, and this seems simple, but I'll I'll get to how this is self-defense oriented, is one of the things that I do is one of the things that can scare somebody that's never spent a night outside are the sounds that you hear at night because you can't see what's going on. So I play things like owl sounds and I'll play what coyotes sound like and things of that nature so that people know, hey, when they hear that in the middle of the night, it doesn't alarm them because I explain to them, yeah, you're going to hear coyotes. They're going to sound like this, but this is why they're doing that. And I explain to them why coyotes do what they do. Same thing is true with being situationally aware and prepared for self-defense is that the more you know, this is why I would love it that we talked about the criminal mindset. We know how to look and see things that are happening that way. They don't alarm us. They just give us an opportunity to prepare for what could possibly happen. And we can talk about OODA loop. We can talk about color code of awareness if you want to. Any of these things that are going to help us do that. We've talked about those in podcast and that's in the Tiny Survival Guide. Plug for that. We need to keep Gabe busy so he's got stuff to do mailing those things out. But that is all there in the tiny survival guide. So pick that up and it, it'll detail some of the things that'll help you see situations for what they are, setting your ego aside and being prepared so that you don't get surprised. 